we're on number three tonight, but just very quickly too, um, we're talking about, I'm going to try to use some kind of illustration every week. Last week I mixed my metaphors about the fox in the hen house. <laughs> I say it was the wolf in the hen house and the fox with the sheep. Um, but in all seriousness, I, I, it's hard for me to express it as your pastor. Just the heaviness, because we, you know we're living our day-to-day lives and things are going on all around us, kind of like they used to. But underlying, you know, that the battle is raging, and we are absolutely in a in a in warfare, and we're always in spiritual warfare as Christians, no doubt. But it's like the front is is here now. Um, like in, in some of the wars, you know, the war's going on, right? And it's affecting us, but it's over there. Well, now it's here. And, and we need to be ready. We have to have like a wartime mentality in, in our minds to, to fight this battle at this particular time in God's redemptive history to stand, to stand that ground. And it calls for a lot of things. It calls for courage. It calls for boldness. It calls for a lot of discernment because not only is there... You know, on the on the outside in this world where we're living in, just day by day, you could just see the depravity um, as God lifts His hand of restraint. But even within the church, now there's always been wolves within the church, and we know that. But it is it is so subtle, and it's so prominent. And in the last couple of years, the last few years, you've seen people that you've trusted, that you've really looked to in the past, and they're off the reservation, or they've moved away. And so you wonder where were they even back, you know, ten years ago, eight years ago? You know, they were they were saying some of the right things, but in their hearts, where were they? Right? Were they really with us? And and, and even going back and listening to some of the older things, you could you could hear some of the subtleties of what's called progressive Christianity, and that's what we're in right now, kiddos. We're it's right it's within the church, and it's amongst us. So what we're doing at this and for for this section of our study in this quarter of our study is looking at um, basically a book by a progressive Christian. And again, it's an oxymoron, but we're just being gracious or charitable <laughs> calling them Christian. Um, and, and the critique of this particular book, the man's name is Philip Gully, and he wrote these like 10 kind of uh, propositions for progressive Christianity, what the church should really be like. Forget about the, you know, the, the Christian thing, what you guys do. This is what a real compassionate church looks like. Well, Michael Kruger um, countered that book, or he went through those propositions with his book called The Ten Commandments of Progressive Christianity, and that's what we're playing off of tonight. So we're looking at Gully's kind of um, prop, propositions he puts forward, and then some of Michael Kruger's responses and mine to, you know, playing off of that as well. So uh, last week we looked at the, the first big one and we talked about it. And this is a big deal. Jesus is a model for living more than an object of worship. And we really talked about how important that is because, you know, people want Jesus to be their friend and to be their buddy and to help them out and, to, you know, help the poor and do those good things and sermon on and there's always a little bit of truth in that we have to acknowledge that and you know understand that but underneath that is a big lie because you're actually denying the person of Christ like why he came who he is that he is God and he didn't he deserves to be worshiped believed in trusted and so on and so forth so we talked about that but a big thing with progressive Christianity 
it always mirrors what's going on in in the public eye, right? So LGBTQ, for instance, is very strong out in the public right now. It is. It's like it's like a tsunami. It's overwhelming us for sure, but it's finding its way into the church in a little more subtle ways. But it's in the church nevertheless. Same with CRT. Same with other kind of divergent movements that aren't biblical. So we always want to be sharp and be biblical and counter these things. So last week, the the three um, ideas that we want to be aware of, what the progressives always would like us to do is what? Do you remember? Accept, affirm, and what was the third one? Oh, thank you. Mm -hmm. Okay. I'm going to do my best RC sprawl. (laughs) I did bring shock, accept, right? Firm. I have to bend up. I might need Andy. I might might need one of those nice um, things. And what was the last one? Let me embrace you. Three big, and just always remember these things because that's always going to be in the back of, like in our minds, in the front of our minds. Accept, affirm, and embrace. And, and listen, and it sounds really nice, but this is always the goal for progressives to get us to accept other people that aren't just like you, even though they're not quite what the Bible says they should be. We still want to accept them where they're at, even when they're not. Um, living up to or living towards biblical standards, right? So it's, it's kind of confusing. So so that acceptance means I, I'm just not going to reject you. I'm not going to reject, you know, I understand you're this way, whatever that is, and there's there's a place for you, okay? Uh, affirming is big. Affirmation. It's not just, hey, tap me on the show, I'm affirming you. I'm, no, uh, to affirm means it's, it's not just emotional support. It's an act of asserting something to be true. So when you're affirming something, you're saying, that's right, it is true. So you can be gay and Christian. You can be, you know, um, if you're believing in CRT, you are right about some of the, the tenets of CRT. I'm affirming what you believe within the Christian church. And that's a that's a contradiction, man. And, there's, um, and this is why we have to be tough. We have to be so tough as Christians right now especially. And then to embrace, again, just that full-on acceptance. And, and we love you, love you. Don't. And we want to do that because we're Christians in a way, right? But there's a difference. And the difference is, as Christians, when we encounter this, these, these ideas, we need to respect those people, like who's, who's ever in there. Like you always show respect because they're image bearers of Christ. We're never haughty. Uh, we're never mean-spirited. You know, we're, we're never dismissive. We can't be. Um, we need to show true concern for them, right? And you really need to love them. And this is kind of the counterintuitive or that tension that we live in because you know it's not. It's not. I hate when people say, "Oh, love the sin," or "Love the sinner," or, "Hate the sin." It's not that. <laughs> it's not really that. It's just that love of Christ. Towards those, towards people that are in that sin, without saying, you know, I accept, I embrace, in that way, um, show compassion as image bearers. 
and everybody is do that. If people know that you love them and care for them, even if they disrespect you, or I mean, even if they don't agree with you, they they'll they'll respect you. If you're just this, you know, writing them off, and you go change and then come and see me. So do you see the do you see the difference? It's not accepting, it's not affirming, it's not embracing, but it is respecting, showing concern, compassion, and the love of Christ in dealing with it. Okay. So we talked about that um, last time, especially not tonight. All right, the second big one. You're gonna love this. And I don't. I don't want to be flippant about this, but sometimes it is hard sometimes not to be at times because this is so out there, and yet it's in here. It's in the church, so you need to be ready for this. And 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 if you're in a a bigger church, even though it might be evangelical, you 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 have more of a, a chance of running into this. Maybe like at Kirsten's church, you know, you might have some people who are in this camp without knowing. I, you know, I don't know if anybody in our church is. I don't think so. You'd be in big trouble. If you are. <laughs> <laughs> but Gully's second big commandment. I know it's number three on your outline, um, but it's the second proposition that he has, and it's this. It's just it's really. Affirming people's potential is more important than reminding them of their brokenness. <laughs> okay. So right away, as Christians, your antenna should be up. What doctrine is this dealing with? We talk about people's bro- we want to want to affirm people's potential and not talk to them about their brokenness. So right away, what doctrine's under attack? What solid Christian doctrine we've been talking about in Romans for as long as we you know a long time? Talk to me. Let's just talk tonight. I'll leave those up there. Any ideas? The doctrine of sin, right? And this is a big deal. Always underneath the the nice-sounding platitudes, it's almost kind of a destruction of one of our key foundational doctrines. And that's what you're going to find as we go through this. Last week, it was the person of Christ, right? And now this time, it's, hey, man, we, we we want to affirm people right we want to meet them where they're at and and, and just be kind with them we don't, they don't need to hear how sinful they are how broken they are and that's kind of the idea of it so it deals with the doctrine of sin and that's a huge dividing line again always remember these are progressive christians it's not the outside world that's one thing well it's kind of it's the outside world in the church but these are people who are professing christ and so you have the obligation, the duty, and the right to really hold them to the standard of Scripture. We don't do that very often, but we need to be more firm with that. So, um, for instance, it's something like progressives might say this. Like, you know you're in a progressive church around progressive Christians when they say, look, I don't know that sin is really the issue. I believe in sin. I believe in sin. I'm not going to deny that. If you're again, there's that scale, you know, for people that will deny sin altogether. To others who say there's, you know, I still believe in sin, but um, is that really what we want to focus on? Is that really the core issue? You know, what, what's really? And I want you guys to be thinking about how you would answer this. You're Christians. How would you answer this? And you know, we can talk about it just a little bit. Tell me what you would think, say or think. Um, I'm the progressive Christian in saying this. So it's really it's really the environment. If we help change environment, um, living conditions, social factors, then it's 
going to make it better. Now, that's what we really should be concentrating. We don't have to tell you how sinful you are. We know people are sinful, but, you know, let's do something about the situation, about the environment, about the living conditions, about the social factors. Don't what do you say to that? Well, we're commanded to tell the truth about what Jesus expects of us. Yeah, we really are, and I think, and that's that's going to be a reoccurring thing. We are commanded to do that, to bring the, the gospel, and that starts with the truth about. Listen, man. Like, I would think when you talk about some of the environmental factors, and we're just you can kind of think of conditions, and there's some truth in that, like help changing the environment, in some ways would be nice it could be helpful but there's a deeper issue to that like i would think about like oftentimes when you talk about a bad environment broken families you know out of wedlock kids or you know any anything you want to put the drug those kinds of things what it is those sinful actions that lead to that environment oftentimes Right? I know people are born into it, and again, we always want to be compassionate and charitable, but you can maybe change the environment, but it doesn't really help necessarily the issue. So you can get people, just like even for instance, housing in, in this area, but if they're not changed from the inside out, that's not going to last long or matter too much, or that's going to go down. You know what I mean? So it's. Recently had a, a very uncomfortable um, occurrence in my family. Um, my cousin's um, daughter uh, had come up with her father from Florida because they got a divorce and she wanted to go with her father. So they moved him. They got a patio house with my cousin, her son, and this uh, teenager. Well, she's 22 years old. The place is beautiful. She had everything. So talk about environment. She had everything. Yep. Okay. That wasn't good enough because I, I'm a believer that people are still uh, affected with the demons. There's demons in them and they don't know that. So she decides to go live with her boyfriend. She's 22, graduated nursing school, got a good job. She had it all. She had her own suite upstairs at the patio house. So environment crossed it off the list. She had a good environment. So uh, she gets pregnant and decides that he's not the one for her. So she moved back with the baby. So I sent her a card saying, your grandmother said there's a chance that you and -and so-and-so might get back together. That would be a good thing because boys without fathers sometimes don't do too well. Well, she had a total meltdown, as you would expect a demon to do, ripped up my card, ripped up my check, cried all night long, and then it got through yeah. the family that I was the demon, you know. Okay, yeah, yeah, it's always turned around. The demon, yeah. sinful nature, whatever that is, it is. It's it's the it's the yeah. darkness. But like what you're talking about is what I'm getting at, and so it it's it is what leads to that environment in the first place is the sin which needs to be addressed, and so we come with the gospel in the first place. That's a, that's that's like a big deal. And, and this isn't pie in the sky. This is something that we need to do as Christians because when the heart is changed, that's when other things change. And you can adapt your, you know, even within your environment, you still look into the Lord, all those things that, you know, we do as Christians, no matter what situation we're in. But, but, but that's the thing, like, when we're saying, look, 
hey, we can't really blame this, but it's the, it's the environment that they're in. Now, let's just move that out. A lot of times that environment is created by their actual sin, number one. And then number two, when you when you put the kind of the onus on the environment and what what's that take away from the actual people that are living there? Responsibility. Exactly. See, these are simple things, but this is, like again, from a, a biblical Christian perspective, you can see, like from a worldly perspective, this is the, the answer or solution for, mm-hmm. for it, or at least that steps into the solution of solving the problem and making people, I guess, happier, whatever. Um, but, but it absolves them of that personal responsibility. My problem is somebody else's fault, and I am not responsible. Right, right. That's not biblical. That's not like you are responsible. You're you'll be held responsible before the Lord, and and you need to understand that um, that you that you're going to give an account to Him. So you can't just you know say blame you know the victim card, all those things that we hear about. As and again, this is kind of finding its way in the church. This is what's compassionate, but in the end, it's not really compassionate. That's what I want you to see. Um, Number two, because we need to keep moving on this, is the real problem is the, quote, broken system. And then, and again, this is really coming into the progressive church, the system of privilege, racism, patriarchy. I just chose those three. That's I put et cetera, et cetera mm-hmm. after that, and we can go on and on if we wanted to. But let's just kind of think about these, because these are actually, you hear, a progressive people preachers, teachers talking about these kinds of things. And more and more you're hearing within the evangelical church, people that we've liked, people that we've known, um, to a degree, Matt Chandler, I don't know if he said any of these specifically like this, but things like this, talking about privilege, go ahead, look him up, Matt Chandler, privilege. And he has a whole thing on himself, like how, how he's privileged and what that means. He says in a very nice way, you can almost... But wait a minute, no. <laughs> That's not biblical because it, it always undermines the true truth of, of scripture, the reality of scripture. So, so when you talk about the broken system, that kind of thing, um, people need to be lifted up. They need to be made to feel good about themselves, to, you know, to realize their potential. Always remember that. This is kind of what it is. Whatever that means, potential will be the best you can be, I guess. We'll talk about what true potential is at the end of this. But um, if we address those things, then like these kinds of things, then people will be better able to reach their potential. But when you talk about these things and other things like this in this category, people feel better about themselves by doing what to other people? Like, like when you think about privilege, racism, patriarchy, if I'm building you up, if I'm going to help you reach your potential, if I'm going to say, you know, the system's broken and we need to concentrate on things like privilege, patriarchy, racism, what does that do to... If you're going to lift up the one group, how do, how do they get lifted up? Like, how do they make, how are they made to feel better about themselves? What are they being slammed on the other side? <laughs> well, we get pounded on on the other side of it, and that's not biblical. So when you have people calling themselves Christians saying that, of course there are. I mean, there are broken systems all over the place. Okay, that, given that, that's that's fine. And and privilege, that's just another word for partiality. Okay. What does the Bible say about as a Christian? Do you like partiality? Are you going to be partial to somebody because they look just like you, or they're, you know, they're your buddy and you love them? Would you be? Would you show them favor over somebody else? If you're, <laughs> we don't want it. But that's we like if you're no. But 
But if you're like, if we are biblical, and that's why Jesus, I'm not partial. That's why he said to Peter right away, like, you know, and Paul said to Peter too, I don't care who you are. Paul says, I'm not, I'm not a lover of that. It doesn't matter who you are, you know. If you're not in line with scripture, I love you, but I'm not going to be partial. If you're wrong, you're wrong. I love my kids, but they know it. They know, Laura, they, they forget it. They forget history. The Christians started the hospital. They oh, we're getting to that. Oh, we're going to get to that in a minute. Yeah. So yeah, say that. But um, but what I'm saying, like you know, they, they, there's that. You have to fight against that, and that can be a problem, and it probably has been a problem. But that's not who we are as Christians. You can't be partial. If you're wrong, you're wrong, and, and you know, if you're right, you're right. So 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 we want to don't want to be partial. But the answer is to be to be privileged. That's partisan. So the answer, like Kevin said. The answer to, to showing people's potential and dealing with these things, and this is coming in the church, is saying, you're privileged. These people have not been privileged. So what we're going to do is we're going to have an all-black um, meeting, and the, and the white people are going to have to stay outside if you're in that church. So we're going to have an all-black, within the church, within the bigger church, you know, it's going to be that kind of thing. Or... Um, there's going to be a safe space, and this is really, really happening in churches today, for the minorities in the church. So we're going we're gonna to segregate in the church, and we're going to kind of turn the privileged thing around, and we're going to make sure that you're going to be in leadership positions just because of your ethnicity. That's not cool. Matt Chandler said it himself, and I'm, I'm, this is just the truth. He said if there's a white guy who's an eight after an interview, and a minority who's a seven, then that seven's going to get it because he's a minority. And that's not right. That's partiality. That's, you know, that's kind of you know, turning the tables on them. And that's what we're having in the church. That's why as Christians we have to be tough and say, no, no, no. That's not what the Bible teaches. We're to be impartial. Uh, racism. That's kind of ties in with the, the privilege thing. Um, now, actual racism is a sin. If you are disparaging others because of their ethnicity... And whatever, in a, in a sinful, hateful way, there's a real problem. Is there racism? Yes. Is there racism within the church in those instances? Yes. And it needs to be rebuked like any other sin needs to be rebuked. Exactly. And that's the problem. And, and another thing you're going to find about this, it's always one-sided. So <laughs> another group can't be privileged just, you know, if you're a certain white ethnic you know, especially male, older, like Andy, me, you, Kevin, we're right there in the target zone. We're the, and that's not fair, and that's not right. Um, it's just kind of the turning the tables or getting even. It's not true equality in the, in the biblical sense. But So with racism, um, actual racism is, is sinful. Um, but who's not racist? And who hasn't been like in, in our hearts and hearts from, from one time, one time or another? Again, it's not just one in the privileged church out in the world. CRT. Who are the only racists? Who can only be racist? <laughs> We're you're looking at it. This is not a joke, and that's coming in. It does because of their minority status, ethnic status. Those kind of, they're incapable of being racist. Only you could be racist because of your ethnicity, because of your power, because of your privilege. Are there right? Yeah, but are. I think that's a good point. Yeah. 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 Y
And it's explained that way. It's explained that way. Like looking you in the face and saying, well, you're part of the power race. You're missing. And and again, today it's reverse racism. You're allowed to be, if you would say half the things, a quarter of the things, one inch of the things about a minority race and you know, especially right now it's the, the black race, especially race, ethnicity, ethnic group. Um, you're you're in big trouble because you know you would but go and listen to television shows, sports shows, doesn't matter. That white man, those white people, you know, white white devils is the title of a book. You know, like if you would say black devils, you would be in jail. Right? So it's okay to be racist against but and that's coming into the church. And the world I expect it. That's the world we live in. They're sinful. The father there is the devil. Um but for the, for if you claim to be a Christian, we can't do that. And this is where we need to stand tough. And that's that's a one more thing. Um, patriarchy um, has there has there been a time where there's domineering men? Absolutely, sinful domineering, using their power, using their position, using their place to their own advantage and to put others down. That needs to be dealt with. Absolutely. But what's happening here, when they talk about the patriarchy, you can listen to Beth Moore. She'll talk about this nowadays. And she's you know, talking about you know, these men. The, the, the big idea, and this is coming into the church, is to basically emasculate men. You know, um, not, not at all in line with scripture. You know, loving your husbands, encouraging your husbands, respecting your husbands, building them up, caring for them and, and as you ought to. Now it's just, you know. You, you just tear them down. Um, you degrade them. You know what, Pastor Joe? I, 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 I probably am not saying it right, but uh, I know it's, it's in the Bible that respecter of persons, there's no... Respect. Yeah, God's not a respecter of persons, so right. he doesn't show partiality. I, I, right, now that falls with the partiality. Yeah, absolutely, and I think that's what we always need to, as Christians, we need to strive to be. Are we going to fail? Yeah, for sure. But we shouldn't, and our standard is high, and as Christians we know that. But when you have the progressives coming in, they're kind of changing that standard, not kind of, they're changing that standard, they're distorting the standard. And once that's gone, then you know we're just like the world. So um, that's why the liberal church is just like the world. This is why we have to fight. This is why we have to be strong. This is why we have to be aware of it. When you're listening to people, listen for these kinds of things. Listen for these kinds of ideas. These, you know, when you hear racism, privilege, patriarchy, and all those buzzwords and terms like that, um, you know, power dynamics in the church, so on and so forth. Help. Just be listening for that, and and be discerning. And be if you knowledgeable. Come, there's two yeah. Christian videos out right now. One's free. Go on SalemNow.com. Uncle Tom 1 is free. Uncle Tom yeah, 2 the, I would, you can buy it. We might watch Uncle Tom 2 at Andy's house. That's I was going to talk to you mm-hmm. about that. That's, that's um, a must because that's, it's by black people, Larry Elder, mm-hmm, producer. Mm-hmm. They, they talk. They know how they were used by the yes. Democratic Party. Yes. They know how they were used. Yeah. It goes, so I think that's we were going to talk to Andy about one of our famous um, movie nights at the Two Lots. <laughs> so we'll do that. But what I want to say is like this is what's coming in inside the church, and that's why we need to be tough, and that's why we need to be strong, and 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 hold the fort. 
man, and not not let this kind of challenge it because they're very challenging towards us and they're making true Christians feel less than Christian if you're not fully embracing, fully accepting, fully affirming, right? And we have to say, wait a minute, there's something wrong here. It's not lining up with what the scriptures actually teach. So the last one on this, number three, well, number three, sin for the progressives especially is not helping, you know, not helping the poor, not helping the outcast, not helping the downtrodden, not showing empathy or acceptance of those who live alternative lifestyles. Two different things a little bit here, but um, we'll, we'll cover them as we go through. So sin, like the big sin, look, man, you're so worried about talking how sinful people are, total depravity and, you know, our nature, this and, and this and that and the other thing, which most progressives don't believe in total depravity. They don't believe in the sinfulness of sin and how sinful we are as people apart from Christ. So it has to kind of be replaced. What sin really is, these kinds of things, you know, not, not acting as we ought to. And it's a sin having so much and, and, and having this all over here for yourself. Now, there is some truth to that, to being greedy, to being selfish, to being just um, me, my, my own kind of thing. But there's also the other side. Look, I've earned it. I've earned it rightly. There's nothing wrong with having wealth. And I... I'm able to, I have the freedom to, to do what I want with it. And as Christians, should we help? Absolutely. There should be a portion that goes to, to helping others. But this idea is, um, you know, helping the poor, outcasts, and downtrodden, that's a big deal for us. And it's a trap. Because the question is, like, how do you define poor? What's that mean? <laughs> define poor. <laughs> I mean, for us, we always, Jesus said, you always have the poor among you. Um, and and they always went about doing good, that's for sure. But there's also the other side of that. I mean, there's poor, and then there's poor on purpose kind of thing. Not on purpose, but, you know, there are able-bodied men and women who are just lazy. That's called sloth in Scripture. And they're, they get in trouble because I don't want to work. <laughs> okay. You don't work, you don't eat. And I'm not saying that to sound harsh at all, but, you know, they just kind of float along and they're, and they're in the state they're in and they're blaming everything and everybody else for their troubles. Like, maybe the best way to help them is to say, look, we'll help you get a job because you're able-bodied. And you see those dudes standing on the corner just asking for money. I, it's, I'm not going to tell you not to or you do what you want in your conscience. And there's times when I give, right, Laura? <laughs> But I will not give to those dudes that are there. And they're, they're in better shape, way better shape than I'm in. I mean, they're like, you know, well, you they, can they can the work. People start those, uh, what do you call them, the GoFundMe? The GoFundMe? Yeah. They get, eight years ago I was in Florida, and there was a black woman who had had surgery in Pittsburgh. A doctor put on uh, her on, on GoFundMe. So I went on and I contributed he cut it off. She got so much money. She only needed $45,000 for aftercare. That was in Pittsburgh. Yeah. She got way more than that, so he cut it off. You know. yeah. But they're just denying it. And the, and the thing is, it's part. see, this is when you don't think about the sinful nature, people are always getting over. And so the naive Christians, the naive progressive Christians, oh, it just doesn't, it's kind of like a blanket. There's no discernment. Of course, when there's genuinely poor people and people that are down, you know, hard times, or even if they've sinned and, and gotten into this, we want to be merciful all the time and gracious. But there's also discernment with that. And there's people that are trying to rip you off 
that's not honoring to the Lord or as a pastor and, and deacons well, basically you know we have we've been charged with the Lord's money and our people that faithfully give and so we're not going to to we're going to do our best not to um, like squander that on behalf of the Lord and our church people who give who give to that um, but we always want to be generous too. <laughs> we always have a little tug of wars on our little. Uh, when we're talking about mercy, but that's all is good. But in Scripture, and we're not going to look at the passages. But if you want to write down Leviticus 23, beginning in verse um, 22 and following, if you had land, what were you required to do by the Lord for the poor, for the outcasts, and for the widows? What were you required to do by God? Allow them to go pick up the yeah. plants. Yeah, when you when you're um, bringing in, Harvest. when you're harvesting, you had to had to leave a strip mm-hmm. for the sojourner. That was so. Isn't that sweet? That's that's, because it's God's land. See, like, what's what's my land? Blah blah blah. blah. Yeah. You know, I mean, if we had apple trees, and I would let people come on to our land. Mm-hmm. Or leave a strip, right? And then as you're gathering, if some falls to the ground, you let it. You weren't right. supposed to pick it up. You yeah, let it for the, the yeah. poor, the sojourner, right. the outcast. And that's how they, that's showing mercy to them. That's beautiful that God had. Like other yeah. other, other cultures, and they, there's no mercy there. And this is what you were saying a little bit earlier, Tony, um, about that idea of, of showing mercy. In Galatians uh, chapter 2, when Paul went to Jerusalem to meet um, with Peter and the others and, and he was telling them about his ministry and what was the one thing they reminded him to do he said, he said just remember the poor and Paul said that's the very thing I wanted to do you know, so, so there is that spirit you read the gospels we're always giving we always want to be merciful and gracious and even err on the side of mercy that my philosophy is instead of holding back I'd rather give and you know um go in that direction I think that's the tenor of scripture in that way um, but who's done more and, like, and this is one of the counters because progressives just say well you just help the poor any poor doesn't matter there's no qualification so they if they just come across again we'll use the border type of illustration just come across illegally into the country you just help them you just give them what they want or, or if they come into your store and break things down well these poor people they've been hurt all their lives so you know, just let them go. So, so your place of business could be robbed and t- things taken away. They're sinning in that way. But progressives will say, you know what? Let them go. What's the big deal? You know, they come into your house and take things. They probably need it more than you do anyway. Mm-hmm. That's not biblical. It might be sound compassionate and caring. But they're sinning by stealing. And they need to understand that. They're going to answer to God for that. And it's not cool for us to do that. Now, if you want to give your stuff away, go ahead. All day long, give, give it away. No problem there. But people can't come and steal. And so that's kind of the idea, even with the illegal immigration. They're stealing. They're coming in illegally. And there's a, there's a problem with that. This is like the old human, humanist. Yeah, it's, that. it's all it is. That's, it's, it's the humanist. It's the natural. feeling. And the Bible says if you don't think, a fool acts on their, their feelings. Yes. But if you're thinking and discerning, yeah. you know. And see, and that's what's coming into the church. It's one thing to be out there, but that's exactly what it is. You hit it right on the head. You sound like Francis Schaeffer. That's a humanist. That's man-centered. That's where, we're, that's where it's coming from. Our feelings, instead of the objective word of God, where well, there's feelings, obviously, and, and but right emotions and right caring. So 
what, who's done more than Christians for the poor? And that's another thing. They want to guilt you all the time. You're always guilty. You never do enough. Who has done more than the Christians and even our nation, which has Christian undergirding foundations, than we have? When you think about when there's a disaster around the world, who's, who always sends the most? Who do they look to? They look to the United States. Because that's the Christian ethic, that mercy giving. How many of our people were sent out, missionaries that go out? Um, disaster. The Red Cross, that was Christian. The Salvation Army, that well, was Christian. Why companies are even going to Florida, Broughton? And, of course. Uh, I, I think it's another part of and, and the thing is, when you go to other nations that don't have that foundation, you don't really see that. They just let them die. <laughs> oh, well, it happened. They get swept away. You know, there's some humanitarian. I don't want to be totally mm-hmm. negative, but... Not like this because we've had we have this ethic, but for the progressives, it's never enough unless you do it their way. Mm-hmm. You know, so if, you have to kind of get illegal. If you let all these people stream in and go, just let it go. If you let them come into your place, then that's really helping the poor. Mm-hmm. You know, if you give away, you know, almost forcibly. If you volunteer, like I said, give away what you want, but you can't. It's not right to take from the wealthy and subsidize the poor, right? And that's a war and humanitarian bringing a lot of refugees in. And there's something to, of course, in that way, you know, where there's those kinds of things. And if it, they're true war-torn refugees, you know, we could talk, but that's different than just streaming illegals that are coming in. You're just assuming these are all wonderful people that just want to come and be American. That's not true. Let's open our eyes. But that, but progressive Christians will say, well, that's that's part of being a Christian. That's a good Christian. Bad Christians sit there and talk about sin all the time, and you know they don't see down in the heart. They just want to be letter of the law people. Okay, this is what we're up against. Please. Um, so yeah, and also there's really no gospel incentive for the. This is the gospel for the uh, progressives. They're they're helping, loving, showing Jesus, but you're not going to hear. You need Jesus Christ for your salvation, or you're going to go to hell. You're not going to hear that from a progressive. <laughs> we love you just the way you are. Jesus loves you. He loves everybody, and we're going to be in heaven. Unfortunately, that's more and more people that we've liked and listened to are going down that path. It's not biblical, man. This is why we have to be tough, be strong, don't give in, but be tender still at the same time. So, um, just a couple more. Let's see, number. four. For they don't people don't want to hear how bad they are. Um, hmm. Well, they'll say there's a lack of empathy on our part, lack of acceptance. You know what? We can demonstrate respect, understanding, compassion, but not accept or affirm the things that are contrary to the will of God. What do you, and that's what are we, who are we going to serve? We're going to serve Christ, and we're serving Christ, and we're truly serving others. If we're just going to feel sorry and want to be loved by men and want to have the affirmation of men and want to be accepted by men, then we're going to tell them what they want to hear. And I've said this, I'll keep saying it, we'll love them straight to hell. That's all we're really doing. Okay? You love them right to the, right to the pit. Um, so it doesn't really help to accept, affirm, and embrace in the ultimate sense. And it's always for us the ultimate sense is the gospel of Christ and that transformation that takes place from within. So we're getting pressure. Um, People need to hear, don't need to hear how bad they are. This is gully, and that they're going to burn in hell apart from a particular view. What would you say to that? 
Christian, tell me what you would say if I'm a progressive. I'm telling you, hey, they don't need to hear how bad they are. We don't have no sense, and yeah, you know, tell people they're gonna burn in hell. You can ask, well, where did you see that in scripture? Well, yeah. Throw it back to them because they can't show you that. Especially, and and we always want to be tougher on the professing Christians. The unbelievers, of course, want to talk, and there's more compassion, and you know they're in a dark, dark place. But if you claim to be a Christian, whether it's progressive or this, then this is the standard, and we're always going to go back to the standard. And you're very right, and you say, what do you mean? What about what the scriptures actually teach on this? So Mm -hmm. I just think, you know, what what do you mean? Like, they don't need to hear how bad they are? What do you say to that? They do need. Yes, they do. (laughs) Yes, you know, um... That's supposed to Romans one, our whole thing. I, I feel like I'm beating you guys up. I'm not really, but you know, it's just like every every week. It's like the, it's like a boxing match. Like we're we're in the twelfth round. You know, this is, we're just the last one. But just you know, there's no escape. You know, no matter what we try, we're locked in by our sin, our sin, our sin. This is how sinful we are. So. Um, you know, the badness of the bad news. We're afraid to talk about the bad news, and, and progressives don't even want to talk about the bad news. But that shows you how good and teaches us how good the good news really is. You know, you can't know it until you know how bad we are. You can't appreciate it. Um, yeah, and so we're mistreating them by not telling them what they actually need to know. So, again, it's never done with a holier-than-thou attitude, always in humility, always caring. But when you hear this, when somebody says to you, they don't need to hear how bad they are, what are you going to say? Yes, they do. Because we're all bad. And that's why Jesus came. And what we mean by bad is, is our sin. That's right. That's an awakening. Always, yes. Always go to Scripture, especially if they claim to, all the time, but especially if they claim to be Christians. What are you talking about? You know what the Bible says, don't you? Here's what the Scriptures teach. And then you're going to find out they deny Scripture. <laughs> Oh, so you deny scripture. You're a Christian. Um, and they, What's the they need to pray about for? that is in churches that teach it and people believe what they're taught in well, church yeah. and they feel they're sharing what Christianity is. It's without taking uh, responsibility for reading the scriptures yourself and seeing what it actually says. You're believing what some person is saying or right or wrong. And that's a real big problem in the church today, where you're just listening to that guy. You know what I tell you guys all the time. Don't, I mean, I pray that you listen to me as I'm biblical, but always check out from Scripture what I say. Never take for it. People always do. They always ask me questions about certain things, and, and that, that you need to be Bereans in that way. But if you have somebody who's so popular telling you these things, you're going to tend to believe them, you know, for the most part. I mean, people will believe them, and hey, that's the pastor talking. He has credibility. You know, that's Tim Keller. That's David Platt. Been doing Platt. this for years. Yeah, they doing the, that's Sean Piper. That's these are guys. Hey, they're really good. You know, and they're saying, why? You know, and, and it it also appeals to our sappy sinfulness because this is the easy road. It's easy to say these kinds of things. Who wouldn't love you? <laughs> you know, it's like it's like the Armenian. You know, trust in Jesus, call on His name, and He loves you for life. You know, you don't have to. It's not about election or anything like that. You know, this is the this is the least resistance type thing. And I'm not saying they don't really believe this kind of thing. And they, you know, you could see some, you know, where they're coming from with trying to be compassionate and so forth. But it just doesn't line up with scripture. So I think, you know, when you, when they talk about those kinds of things, they need to know people. 
need to need to hear positive, life affirming, self esteem building statements. Oh yeah. <laughs> Everybody's a winner in school now. You don't have you get a trophy even if you don't win anything yet. Well, the participation trophy. Because yeah. I feel good about myself. I talked to those kids, because I wasn't in our day. You didn't get participation trophies. Mm -hmm. But I talked to kids that got participation trophies, and they hated it because they, it didn't help their self-esteem. No. They knew that they didn't win. They wanted to win. They wanted to be in first place. So it just made them angry or it was silly to them. And that's, you know, because that's an encouragement when you lose. Like, hey, you learn by losing to get better, work harder, you know. See that? That could be you next time. Work harder. Let's get to that place. You know, that, it's that kind of thing. But here, it's it's that idea of like, you know, we're just going to affirm. We're going to self-esteem. We don't want to tear you down. We don't want you to, you know, feel too badly about yourself. You need to feel good about yourself. And that's reaching. So you could reach your potential. Again, what's your potential? Like the best that you can be and kind of what does that mean? What is our greatest potential? We're saving that for the end. Um, yeah, people need to be taught. That's very temporal. It's very shallow from a Christian perspective. Um, they want to feel good about themselves and their situation so they can fool themselves. So they could live together in the way they want, in sin. Um, all kinds of sin is justified by this, you know, whether it's infidelity in marriage or uh, adultery, divorce, those kinds of things. Um, side A, side B, Christianity, we've talked about that. that they kind of justify this way, but we don't want to hurt their feelings. We don't want to turn them away from Christ. Do you know how many people you're turning away from Christ? Next week or the week after, we are going to listen to on YouTube. Uh, there's a debate between James White and Bishop Shelby Spong. Spong was, the, was a chief progressive. And we're just going to listen to one segment of Spong, like his introduction. And you're going to see everything that I'm saying right now. You're going to be like, okay, you know, wow, I can't believe it. You know, it's not just... Joey telling us this. This is like, you know, he's out there. And he is, he was, he's just died a couple of years ago, but he was so highly respected in that whole progressive kind of Christian camp. And and he kept saying, and he was so arrogant to James White, and, and he was saying, we've won. We're going to win. You know, God God loves compassionate people. He understands that they're homosexual. He, he loves them. You're going to lose. We're winning. You know, look what's happening. Anyway, that's maybe for next time, um, or right before, maybe at the end of this. But um, so, so there's that that positive thing. Um, but what do we need to tell them as Christians? Well, if you're making sinful life choices, especially if you profess to be a Christian, if they're not meeting the standard, I mean, we need to encourage them and challenge them to live up to the standard that they're called to live up to as Christians, even as leaders. It's not like I just I don't want you to I want you to feel good. I don't want you to do this if I tell you the truth. You got to be bold and love them enough to tell the truth. And you know it's in scripture. And um, understand that you know we make sinful life choices and there's consequences to those. And that's you know, we have to be bold in that way. Uh, affirming of it just allows others to indulge in their sin to feel good about it. And that's the day and age that we're living in. Um, Everything, everything has, it, there's nothing wrong, there's nothing bad that you can do. And whatever you do, that if it's bad or wrong, it's still okay. You're still affirmed in it. And if people don't agree to that, then you're the hypocrite or you're the, you're the insensitive one, you're the mean one. So it, it just it goes down the line. Even, even with like obese people, no offense, I mean, I'm putting up there. But um, you're never mean, but 
we're still creating God's image and there's a, there's a place we're taking care, but it doesn't matter today. You know, you, we have to be body positive no matter what. And that's just like, okay. Um, if a kid says two plus two is five, you can't hurt them. You have to say, okay, for you it's five. No, it's three. I'm serious. This is, I'm not kidding, you know. So, um, and this is, this is what, we're, what we're dealing with and, it's, and we cannot continue to do that. Um, progressives have a deficient view of original sin. They do believe that people are basically good by nature. Uh, that, that goes against the plain teaching of Scripture. Um, again, as we're going through Romans and, and throughout the Bible, um, we're under sin. And we'll see that. We'll read some Bible passages here in a minute as we're going to see that 10 minutes. Um, all people are flawed and broken. What's missing when you talk about that? When you hear that language, I'm flawed, broken, it's, you know... I'm in a messy, it's a messy time in my life. Those are just... Sinners. Yes! Cody, <laughs> you're on fire tonight. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so they're like you. Stay away from the word. I think an article, it said whatever happened to sin. Yeah. There's like a book titled that. I almost titled a book. great that it's yeah. gone? Yeah, whatever happened to sin. And that's, and that's, I almost yeah. kind of a, a book after that, or that's thinking so about true. a book like that. It is my, true. My, my daughter and I were talking this today, and a little bit off the subject, but she says, Mom, it's like common sense that, you know, she, we were talking about a certain issue, and I said, it's gone now, right now. <laughs> well, that's, when you lose even the common sense, like the common grace, you know you're at the end. Like, you know that God's judgment is is upon you. His hand of restraint has been lifted. He's letting us be the fools that we are, you know, apart from him. And he's not even giving us that restraint anymore. Like, you know, they, they love their foolishness. They're calling evil good and good evil, substituting light for darkness, darkness for light. First uh, Corinthians 1, about the foolishness of, of man, um, just denying anything about the gospel. You can't even, I'm telling you guys right now, we're in a place, um, especially when it comes to things kind of like CRT, but especially homosexuality, if you say anything derogatory, you are just out of the mainstream. You're, it is totally, totally normalized. Are you kidding me? And gay marriage, gay mirage, do you, that's, you have to like just, it's just how it is. And you don't believe that. Even among many Christians, professing Christians, we're like, ancient artifacts <laughs> if you don't hold it no joke no joke so that's not even a, a thing anymore and it's becoming well, like a the Bible now, to be nobody. honest nobody in America nobody and that's what we've lost the percentage is very small very right. small even among professing Christians I, I was going to bring a um, uh, study a Pew study in and they pulled professing Christians and I was just astonished by some of the answers it's like they don't believe the Bible is completely inspired and infallible you know like 48 percent of professing christians don't believe that and you know that god has has is is omnipotent he's all powerful you know many don't believe that that he changes um so yeah it's it's really really sad the state of evangelicalism that's why we want to be strong and teach you guys real well but um so we're flawed and and to a certain extent what needed most is understanding and compassion don't dwell on the sin thing we have to counter that as Christians, as true Christians. We have to be strong because if we really love you, we're going to tell you about your need, our need, in the grace of God as Christians. And so they should be ashamed of themselves. Progressive Christians should be ashamed of themselves because of what they're doing. Because all they're doing is mirroring the world. They're doing exactly what the liberals will do 
but they put a Christian veneer over it. So don't fall for it. Be tough and be strong you know, and be biblical um, because there, there's always going to be a bit of truth in it as we've seen here tonight, but underneath that it's a lie and it's undermining the very foundations of what we hold to as Bible-believing Christians. We're a very small minority right now. But we need to do that. Here's the biblical perspectives. We're sinners by nature and choice. And um, who wants to help me read some of these passages tonight? There's Psalm 51, 5. Okay, Ephesians 2, 1 to 3. Does anybody want to take that, Kevin? Okay, for you. Um, Romans 5, 12. Anybody? And then Andy, Romans 3, 23, and then 6, 23. These are very, you know, just easy, peasy, I mean, very basic passages regarding the nature of sin. But people don't say it. Yes, so. Surely I was sinful at first, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Okay. So that's in the womb. That's, you know, that's the kind of the nature part of it. So it was by nature. Um, Psalm, or Ephesians 2, 1 to 3. Sorry, my Bible was not open. Oh, that's okay. Lays? <laughs> oh, I can't get in my cash back. Dude, Lane, did you have it? Yeah, 1 to 3. Oh, I got it. Finally. 2, 1 to 3? You were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Okay, and so there's the children of nature by nature, okay, children of wrath by nature in that way but also carrying out the passions, the lust of the flesh, desires of the mind. That's the humanism. That's apart from God. There's only two religions. There's God, and then there's everything else. And everything else distorts what God actually teaches. And so everything becomes apart from God. And when you lose God in a society, what do you have? When you have the humanism, you have arbitrary, right? Just, you know, today I'm this way, tomorrow's that way. This is what I think. This is what I believe. Relativism. Right? Who's to say that I'm right and wrong? It's good for me. It might not be good for you. This is my truth, maybe not your truth. We have that and today. There's many truths. Right? You have your own. Not one truth. Right? So, so, so you have, yeah, it's arbitrary, um, relative, inconsistent. You know, you, they don't follow, like, you could downstream, like, they'll, they'll change their mind or they'll say one thing and do another thing and just be fine with it. So it's okay for me to go in and steal uh, from a store but it's not okay for you to like call it out or something like that you know and you, you, it just everything is upside down in that way and, and even when it comes to the laws there will be selective enforcement of different laws so for some people you're going to get off like if you're a uh, felon or a murderer <laughs> you can get out but if you're in an abortion clinic and just protect your son by pushing a guy out of the way, you can have 40 FBI agents coming into your home. Mm-hmm. Right? This is what we're living at today. That's Once you lose the grounding of Scripture and that impartiality and the commitment to the law there and to be um, 
to, to be holding to that. And that comes from that standard of righteousness, believing in God. It has to be based on the standard. Once that's gone, then anything goes, especially in a system like ours where there's so much freedom. You could really easily, easily corrupt it, and that's exactly what we're doing. So you're seeing very unfair prosecutors that aren't prosecuting. When we get to God, government, and you, we'll talk more about these kinds of things, but this is the idea of what's coming out. When you're arbitrary, inconsistent, there's consequences to that. When it's relative, you know, when it's unequal justice, right? This is what, who's going to say no? You really deserve it because, you know, I'm a liberal and I love you because they're really loving and tolerant, but not towards you because you deserve it because of the kind of person you are because you won't accept everybody just the way they are. How dare you do that? So you deserve what you get and there's no compassion. None. See, I hope as Christians we would have compassion on our worst enemies and pray for them. But in this system and where we're at now, no. And that's coming into the church and that's why you see this battle lines even within the church. We're not brothers and sisters in Christ. And there's division in churches, right? This is a dividing line. <clears throat> you can't have it like this. So this is why we need to understand our nature. Romans 5.12. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men, because all sinned. All sin. That's our connection back to Adam, right? And then uh, Romans 3.23 and 6.23. Uh, for there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And that, we have to keep it simple like this, all right? Because the power is in the Word. We're, we're, we can't alter it, we can't change it, we can't sugarcoat it or try to make it say... What it says, but in a different, nicer way. I mean, it's very nice the way it is. It doesn't need us. The Lord doesn't need us. And it's like I think it's Spurgeon or C.S. Lewis said, you know, if, if there's a lion in the cage, let the lion loose. You know, don't don't try to hold the lion back. It'll he'll do the work. We just have to be faithful to doing this. And so with progressive Christians, you have to say, no, 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 no. You do need to help. You need to hear about sin. Because that's the nature. That's why everything is. A lot of our bad conditions, a lot of our environments are because of sinful choices that we've made and for generations and generations. If I'm just knocking you up and then letting you go and leaving you have all those kids, that's something that I'm creating through my sin. That's fornication. That's abdicating, you know, being a parent. You know what I mean? So, and the solution is not just have more kids so you can get more money from the state. I know it's hard and difficult and you want to be compassionate. But the solution is, let's get families together. Take the proper perspective. Husbands, dads, be dads, and fathers that you're called to be. Moms, be the mom you're called to be. Be together. That's where the that's where the real change is going to take place. That's how environment does change. <clears throat> um, and again, I, I forgot to say this way back to the environment. You have people that are in really bad environments that become very successful. You have people in very great environments that you know are, are losers in that way. So I, I missed that on my notes. But anyway. Um, R.C., you guys know this saying very well, we're not sinners because we sin. Uh, we sin because we're sinners. And that's very poignant. It's very important to understand. So, like, you know, even, even more progressives will meant, you know, we're not perfect people and we do sin. You know, um, you know we're, we're sinners because, you know, we, we make mistakes and sin. No, no, no. We sin because we're sinners. We're born like that. And so we come out and the gospel is the answer to it. Um, 
Sin is our primary problem. And, th- and the whole thing, remember what I said in the beginning, you're to progressive say, let's talk about people's potential, not so much about their sin. That's just so hard and bad and a yucky subject, right? You could feel it a little bit. Um, who wants to talk about that? Who wants to hear about how bad they are? They want to hear about how good they are. Um, and yet, it's that very, and this is how they undermine the doctrine of sin, because it's our sin that separates us from God. And that's what needs to be dealt with. And that's what Jesus came to deal with. It's the root of every issue, every issue, every problem. The root of that is our sin. Um, A shorter catechism, and this is another thing that's missing among so many, of being catechized and understanding um, some of the doctrines and the teachings of Scripture. The shorter catechism, back in the days of of the Puritans and the Westminster Confession, the shorter catechism, what you're going to read now, I don't know if Robin has a copy. Do you have a copy of it, Laura? This was for the kiddos. This was not for the adults. This was kids' class. <laughs> you know, the adults had the larger catechism, and you were expected to memorize it, but the kids were expected to <clears throat> know, memorize, recite, live by. I don't have my copy now. You should know this by heart. I do know it by heart. I do. Okay, what is sin? Don't. Sin is any want of conformity to or transgression of the law of God. So that's very simple. And that's not, now kids can know that. And what's the next one? Um, wherein consists the sinfulness of that estate wherein to man fell? This is a really good answer. How many people would know this? The sinfulness of that estate wherein to man fell consists of the guilt of Adam's first sin by nature, the want of original righteousness. I mean, that's we didn't have righteousness in us. We weren't good and then got bad. The corruption of his whole nature, which is commonly called original sin. So when you hear about original sin, it's not just the first sin. It's the consequences of that first sin. That every part of us is affected by sin. Our mind, our hearts, our bodies. That's why we die. That's why we get sick. You know, um, we don't think God's thoughts after him. We, Our actions that we take, our heart, our desires, our will is against him. So that's that's... Uh, original sin, together with all actual transgressions which proceed from it. So that means this daily sin that you sin in thought, word, and deed. Um, what's the misery of that estate to where mankind fell? All mankind, by their fall, lost communion with God, are under his wrath and curse, and so made liable to all the miseries of this life, to death itself, and to the pains of hell forever. This was for the little kiddos back in the day. If the adults knew this, we would be in much better shape because it's very true, right? There's that misery. We lost communion with God. We separated, running from him since that day under his wrath. So we're deserving of his wrath and curse. And we're also made liable to all the miseries of this world. Everything that happens, you know, we're, we're susceptible. And if you're a Christian, it doesn't mean you're not going to get sick necessarily. It doesn't mean that you're not going to get into accidents. It doesn't mean bad things won't happen to you. Right? We're susceptible to all the miseries of this life, to death itself, and to the pains of hell forever apart from Jesus Christ. In Christ, the miseries of this life, we have comfort in him. He swallowed up death. We are free from hell forever. So um, when we're dealing with progressives and when you're hearing their teaching, don't be sucked in by how sweet it sounds, by how good it sounds, how subtle, how subtle it is. 
how compassionate it may sound on some levels, how fair it may seem. Um, they're always going to paint the conservatives as mean-spirited, harsh, because of this, because of this very thing. Those things we just read, you're going to be seen as harsh and mean-spirited. Are you harsh and mean-spirited? You better not be. But if, you, if you're consistent with Scripture, because the world so much, and even those in the church who don't love Christ so much, resent this, that you're going to be the, you know, get ready um, to, to take on the brunt of that. If it isn't a big deal, and this is the last thing, then why did Jesus die on the cross for us? <laughs> you know, if you're not so worried about sin, and we've been, you know, we've been stressing the negative because we're sinful and so forth, but there's the good news. If we're not sinful, or we're just broken people, and we just need help, we just need our environment changed, we just need better luck, we just need a hand up, we just need more understanding, acceptance, affirmation, embracing, then why did Jesus come? And that's what you want to ask progressive Christians. And they'll answer, and they'll say just that. <laughs> he was a wonderful example for us. But that's not what the Bible teaches. Yes, he was a wonderful example, but he was much, much more. He was a Savior who died for sinners like you and me. That's who he is. For God that's why he came. That's right. That he gave his only begotten Son. Whoever believes him will not perish, but everlasting life. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life. The wrath of God abides upon him. It remains upon him. Right. He takes us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. So know those scriptures. This is why Jesus came primarily, not just to make a better life for us, not just to have an understanding and kind of be accepting. No, he came to challenge sinners and to change sinners and to pay for the sinners' price for their sins on the cross. Otherwise, he's just like any other good teacher, any other good moral teacher, I guess, right? Try harder, do better, you know, think these wonderful thoughts, try and... Meditate on this, that, and the other thing. So you can go to Buddha, you can go to, you know, uh, Hinduism, you can go to mysticism, spiritualism, all those things. Only Christ died for our sin and problems, so we could reach our full potential. And what is our fullest potential? No, your outline. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Number four. At the bottom, apart from dealing with sin, a person can never reach their fullest potential. So the progressives will say, meet your fullest potential. You know, be who you could be. Let's get rid of these roadblocks so you can be the best, you know, person, lawyer, doctor, whatever you want to be. Uh, and there's a little bit to that. But more than that, when we talk about our fullest potential, what's our fullest potential? Shorter Catechism number one says, what is the chief end of man? Does anybody know the answer to that? Amen. That's our fullest potential. To glorify God and enjoy Him forever. To glorify God and enjoy Him forever. That's our purpose. That's who we're meant to be. And then anything else we do and everything else we do brings glory to God. So yeah, I'm going to be that you know, best person I could be or that doctor, but to the glory of God. you know. And I'm giving thanks to Him and I'm living my life for Him in every single area. That's what it means. Not just meeting your potential as you know this nice person, this kind, whatever, whoever you're going to be in this life. But in Christ. So that's number two. Great commandment number two. I think next time we'll, we might take two of them together. Um, <coughs> um, the work of reconciliation should be valued over making judgments. And then I think we're here next week. Are we here next week, Andy, in this place? Because if we're not here, we might have to meet at your house. And then gracious behavior is more important than right belief. 
So they're all kind of related a little bit. But I think next week we could try to take uh, two of these on and as we're moving through this. I, I had not October 13th. When's October 13th? Two weeks. Okay, two weeks. So next week we'll be here. Um, all right, so uh, any questions or any any more comments on this? And you know, What do you think about this? And just I want you to, to kind of prepare you for what you're probably hearing and what you're going to be hearing maybe more and more and within the church and um, standing strong. So It's so hard to convince other people that these big-name preachers have gone down the toilet because it's not put before people's faces. You have to go looking for it. And not by way of Google, because they'll tell you all the good stuff. And, and these guys are really good. I mean, they're smooth, and they, and they do infuse truth in it. I mean, I was listening to Russell Moore today, and he's way off the reservation, and yet a lot of what he was saying was actually good, but then in the midst of that, it becomes something, you know, way off the track. And, you know, it's okay you know, to vote for anybody, you know, you really want, and, you know, you don't have to favor one over the other, and, you know, take just, they have a real soothing, kind of convincing way of talking to you with just enough truth to get you to question or to doubt or to kind of listen to. You might think that might be a little off kilter, but you know what? That sounds pretty good. So who's that remind you of in scripture? <laughs> Go back to the garden. The devil. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's a little bit of truth and it sounds so good and maybe, yeah. That, but this doesn't sit quite right well, with it's me. It's a little easier. It's you easier. Don't, you don't have to do the work. You just listen to me. I'll yeah. tell you what you need. It, it hurt me when I was telling the minister of my church that I was leaving the church. Um, it hurt me to say this, but I said to him, I'm not good at sitting on the fence mm. because you'll never hear them go this way or that way because if they did, 25 people would leave, you know. Yeah, and that's so a big danger. I mean, that's something we all, as Christians, because you're going to lose friends <laughs> and family and loved ones when you tell... But Jesus said, you can't serve two masters. You'll love one, you'll hate the other. Mm -hmm. There is truth and there is lie. There's right, there's wrong. There is, you know, the biblical clear teaching and, and then there's false teaching. And so, like in that passage in Galatians, when the, just before Paul said, you know, taking care of the poor, he was talking about the false brethren who had come into the church to spy out their freedom. And those were the, circum the, the, the um, Judaizers that came in to spy out freedom. So... You know, we always have to be careful within our midst. And so it's it's here. It's amongst us. We need to know. And hopefully this class is not telling you anything too new, but helping with discernment and understanding and maybe how to answer some of these. Um, but we always have to get back to the gospel and the truth and the standard is there. Because a lot of progressives will talk about scripture, but they won't go to scripture. Or they'll take you away out of context. That's why we need to know scripture, bring it in context, talk to them from the Bible, keep going back, keep going back, keep going back. And, you know, that's hard to do at times. And again, especially they're usually more intellectual, articulate, convincing, you know, some of these guys. You, and um, it's it, it can be very easy to follow them. Oh, what's really wrong with them? Why can't we do this study from Tim Keller? You know, he's he's great. Everybody loves him. Well, you better be very discerning in, in that way. Um, which 
which far too many Christians are not, and then they get kind of get caught up in it, or they're confused, and they don't see it coming. And before you know it, just like how we are right now, we're just overwhelmed. It's just amongst us. Who would have thought three years ago you would have people talking about side B or side A Christianity, where it's okay as long as you're in love to have same-sex relations? Like, are you kidding me? Yeah, that's you know what we thought, and now even with the trans coming in, you know, to the church and having. No, I, I could show you articles. I, I didn't bring them, or I don't have them here with me. But um, you know, the guys that dress up like girls, transvestites in churches, and little kids going up to them and, and giving them money and stuff. So this is where we're at. Yeah, it's very bad. That's awful. I can never remember their name either. Drag queens. No, they call them drag queens. Drag queens. Drag queens, yeah. Uh, that, that to me, when I heard that they were going to the library, I thought, what's wrong with parents? Yeah. What happened to common sense? Like you said. Yeah. When you get to the point that we're at now, that foolishness takes com- takes over and that common sense goes out the window. And if you don't have a firm belief in scripture, You'll go along with it, even if you don't like it. I mean, not everybody, but so many people will just say, you know what, if it makes them happy, it's not that bad, you know, really. And so you have parents who otherwise, maybe five years ago, they would just kind of go along with the consensus. But they don't really have a found, firm, 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 found, firm foundation (laughs) in scripture. And so when they're challenged, more, more, Often than not, they'll capitulate. Just, just the key piece, or just you know, maybe I was wrong. Maybe I shouldn't have been so hard about that because, you know, what everybody's doing, and it's not that bad. If they really love each other, who am I to say? No. And these are people who five years ago, ten years ago, would have said, no way, that's wrong. You can't do that. Love but who you love. Love is love. John Tigerwald has a radio show, and he said. He was talking about them one night. He said, first of all, they're ugly. And he said, and then, then I read where it's not good to give children melatonin. And I thought, why are they giving them melatonin? No wonder they're, 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 they're uh, half them around these ugly people. And then these poor kids have to look at their face and wonder, what am I looking at? And I never even knew parents were giving their kids melatonin. That's a new thing. Well, no wonder they can't sleep. They're exposed to things they're not supposed to be exposed to. Well, let's pray that we get going. <laughs> Father, heavenly, thank you, praise you again. Thank you for uh, this night, Lord. I just pray that this study is helpful in a very practical way for us as Christians, as we find ourselves in the midst of the battle, Lord. And temptation is to always kind of go along. Um, but I pray that we would be encouraged and spurred on to know your word more uh, deeply, Lord God, and, and, and have a depth and have it in our hearts and in our minds, and we're able to give an answer for the hope that lies within us, that we're able to spot the errors, Lord God, to point them out, to make correction, and to challenge, Lord, uh, from your word, because these are, are, are ruthless wolves that are coming in to upset the church, and they don't love you, Lord God, so please give us the courage, the boldness to stand strong, the ability to do so, but again, always with compassion, always with that grace that the gospel brings with the Lord, but that firmness, Lord, to stand on the truth, to protect the truth, to bring forth your truth. I pray that you would see us home safely, Lord, to our homes. 
bless this evening, bless our families apart from us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.